Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast. My name is Ines Padar and I'm a spiritual mindset and business coach. The goal of this podcast is to help you use the full power of your subconscious mind to ditch imposter syndrome, raise your vibration, unlock the doors to abundance, and grow a low stress and high income business. So let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Imposter Syndrome Tomato Podcast. So this is part five out of five on the Imposter Syndrome series, and finally, the magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome. So we've extensively talked about imposter syndrome, how we develop imposter syndrome in the first place, what works, what doesn't work, how it affects our business, the correlation between unhealed abandonment, imposter syndrome, and the success we can get in our business, and the time has finally come to talk about how to overcome it. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, we need to understand that it's a multifaceted thing, meaning that some people with imposter syndrome will have no problem with visibility, but it will be difficult for them to charge what they want to be charging, and others have no issue charging what they want to charge, but they are always and chronically doing more certifications, not feeling like an expert enough, or have anxiety about their clients not getting results. Um, So the way I came up with my magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome is through working with many, many clients who all had imposter syndrome. And I started to see patterns of what worked, what didn't work in order to help them. And also how once you come up with a very specific process that I will talk about in this podcast, you can no longer have imposter syndrome if you manage to master three main pillars which are part of the imposter syndrome terminator framework so to cut the chase we need to understand that once you can master three main areas it is virtually impossible for you to have imposter syndrome and those three three areas are basically mastering your subconscious mind and eliminating sabotage that's number one number two is self-confidence number three is self-worth And then in each of these three categories, and if you want to pause and take notes, now would be a perfect time to do so. In each of these three main pillars or three main categories, we have three subsections, meaning that once you master one of these three pillars, you will automatically master the three subsections. And once you can master the three pillars, you will master the nine subsections. And once you manage to do that, you cannot have imposter syndrome. And the fantastic news about this is that you don't need to hustle, grind, and struggle to go through each of the nine um, subset areas that I'm going to talk about. Odds are that once you get to the root cause of imposter syndrome, which is probably never feeling that what you did was good enough as a child or being put in a position where you could never win, hence you develop the belief that nothing is ever good enough, etc. Once you can alleviate the root cause of why you developed imposter syndrome in the first place, you see a positive ripple effect or domino effect where all of the rest of imposter syndrome that you've been experiencing kind of vanishes at the same time. So let's start about talking about the subconscious mind and eliminating sabotage. So that is key area number one out of the three areas you need to master in order to conquer imposter syndrome once and for all. So when I talk about the subconscious mind or sabotage, there are three subsections. Number one 
It's hidden blocks or hidden limiting beliefs that you might not be aware of. Number two, procrastination. Number three is reconnecting with your intuition. So let's start with number one, which is getting rid of hidden blocks. Now we've already extensively talked about the real reasons why you might have imposter syndrome that have nothing to do with how qualified you are or your academic achievements and everything to do with wrong beliefs that were planted somewhere inside of your mind that gave you the belief or emotions or feelings that whatever you do is not good enough, that no matter how hard you try, it never works, etc., etc., Once you can go back there and heal and release those wrong limiting beliefs at the subconscious level, which is basically the software, we want to make a software update, they will no longer make you feel inadequate, helpless, or less than. So this is a significant area that we need to work on if we want to successfully overcome imposter syndrome probably the most important one because once you touch that it will have positive ripple effects on everything else and that will also mean that you turn your mind into your best friend into instead of this protection mechanism that keeps you uh, feeling inadequate so getting rid of the hidden blocks or the hidden limiting beliefs that you might or might not be aware of is the number one priority and that is most easily done through hypnosis or journaling or EFT. Source number two or subsection number two is procrastination. So one of the things that causes us to feel like a fraud or to lose confidence is procrastination. Now it's a vicious circle because the reason why we procrastinate in the first place is very often because we are afraid of success, afraid of uh, failure, or because our mind is trying to protect us against pain or danger and is making us procrastinate about whatever we want to be doing. But where this is tricky is that the more we procrastinate, the worse we feel, the bigger the fear becomes, the more we feel inadequate, the more we talk shit to ourselves and say stuff like, I'm not even capable of doing this or that, where it's just going to develop this overall feeling of underachievement, underperformance. We kind of look at all of the things we could have been doing and realize that we watch TikTok or cat videos instead. And it's just not going to positively contribute to healing imposter syndrome. So number the aspect number two in the main area of the subconscious mind and sabotage is to eliminate procrastination. Now, again, you, we are not procrastinating but because we're stupid or lazy. We are procrastinating because our mind is trying to hold us back or protect us against something that is unsafe or unfamiliar. So again, if we can get to the root cause of procrastination and figure out why we've been procrastinating in the first place, um, you will no longer need to procrastinate or your mind, that part of your mind will no longer need to trigger procrastination. So very often... If you have imposter syndrome, you might feel, well, I need to heal imposter syndrome as a priority, but I will also look at healing procrastination patterns because they are just contributing to making you feel very inadequate and maybe the fear of failure or fear of success or whatever fear is hiding or causing the procrastination, once you alleviate that, it might also alleviate or eliminate a big chunk of imposter syndrome. So getting rid or eliminating procrastination is very important. Last but not least, reconnecting with your intuition. So your subconscious mind knows best. Your gut knows best. When I say your subconscious mind knows best, 
I don't mean it's maybe a poor choice of words, but sometimes our conscious mind can trick us into thinking that we need something that we don't need. Meaning, oh my god, I really, really need this extra certification or diploma because once I've ha- I have it, I will feel so good about myself, I will feel so confident in my ability to help my clients. No, that is just your conscious mind that is thinking thoughts that are not facts based on <clears throat> wrong subconscious beliefs that are making you feel less than. So if we can reconnect with our intuition rather than connect with all of the noise that our analytical conscious mind is producing, we will also be guided towards healthier patterns where imposter syndrome can't live. So a small trick that I can give you right now is when you think to yourself, oh my god, I need to read this book about advanced techniques in energy work because I just don't feel that I can help my clients or I absolutely need this extra certification or oh my god, I don't think I can help my client right now. How do you feel? You probably feel bad. Those thoughts do not trigger positive motivating feelings and the reason that that is is very likely or very probably because your higher self your intuition that part of you that is limitless knows that those thoughts are not true so you're not feeling bad because they are true and you are inadequate they are feeling bad because they are untrue and incoherent with what your higher self knows is available and possible for you So next time you start overthinking of, oh my God, what if I can't help my client? I need to spend another three grand on this certification that people will be so, you know, trust um, trustful of once I have it, blah, blah, blah. If it's feeling off, listen to your gut instead of listening to your mind. Does it really feel right? If you meditate about it and put yourself in a state of silence and inner peace and ask yourself this question again, do I actually really need this extra certification? Now the answer is probably going to be no. It's probably going to be like, well, maybe down the line it might be useful, but right now you actually don't really need it in order to achieve whatever goal you want to achieve in your business. So reconnecting with your intuition is going to eliminate a lot of unnecessary noise that's happening in your mind and is caused by your limited conscious analytical mind or past subconscious beliefs. So this is the third aspect of our first main area, which is eliminating blocks uh, at the subconscious level or sabotaging patterns. So I hope that this makes sense. To summarize, number one is letting go or healing hidden blocks or the root cause of the imposter syndrome, which is very often, you know, feeling inadequate growing up as a kid or feeling like nothing was ever good enough. Number two is eliminating or alleviating or doing EFT or whatever you want to do on procrastination because procrastination is a vicious circle that is going to make you feel more and more inadequate. And the less you do, the more the fear is going to increase and the more fearful you are, the less you do and the more stupid you feel. So it's just not going to help imposter syndrome. And number three is reconnecting with your intuition and the way that that, my voice is really funny today, (laughs) the way that that really works for me is meditating, sitting in silence, inhaling and exhaling slower than I'm inhaling or putting myself in a state 
where my analytical mind is taking a back burner and I can listen to the voice within or I can imagine having a conversation with my higher self and saying like, listen, I don't feel that I'm ready, you know, to launch a mastermind. I don't feel that I'm ready to take on new clients. I feel I need extra certifications. What is your opinion? And I will will literally let my higher self answer me and usually, not usually, actually always, uh, she's right. And she tells me, the truth rather than the limitations that my conscious mind is constructing. So that is pillar number one. Pillar number two is self-confidence. Obviously, sounds pretty self-explanatory how once we can boost our self-confidence, that's going to help with imposter syndrome. But if we dive in more specifically, there are again three um, subsections or sub-themes under self-confidence. Number one is knowing that you're competent enough and that you know enough. Number two is building self-belief. And number three is being comfortable with visibility. So once you can master self-confidence, once you can boost your confidence, the positive spillover effect is that you're going to feel competent enough, you're going to have belief in yourself, and visibility is no longer going to be an issue. Hence the importance of working on the self-confidence. And that starts with knowing that you are competent enough. And again, I'm going to give you some pointers, some things that you can act upon right now that are going to make a significant difference that you are going to feel. So when it comes to knowing that you're competent enough, the biggest fallacy, the biggest wrong thing that we tend to do, which makes sense, you know, logically, but just not emotionally, is that we want more certifications, more diplomas, more knowledge, more expertise. The problem with that and what tends to happen is that we become a certification holic. So we have all of these diplomas, degrees, we've trained in advanced hypnosis and Reiki and NLP and this and that, cognitive behavioral therapy. And while we might feel good for some time, this disturbing feeling that we don't know enough is always around the corner. It's always ready to pop up or to flare up. And it's kind of like shopping. When we want to buy the handbag to feel better about ourselves and we convince ourselves that the handbag is going to change our life, we buy it and we're so excited and it's all fun and games and it's great and we are so proud and so satisfied and feel so amazing. And then one week goes by, two weeks go by, three, four, five weeks, and it just kind of becomes yet another item in, you know, the closet. We don't really feel the initial excitement that we used to have. The high of us feeling fantastic is kind of fizzling away. And now we need a new handbag that is maybe more exciting, more rare or more expensive to get the same sensation. Same goes with when it comes to getting more certifications or diplomas. We temporarily alleviate the feeling that we're not enough of an expert when we gain theoretical knowledge or some sort of academic certifications, but the feeling never lasts. I have so many clients who have spent dozens of thousands of dollars, countless hours, blood, sweat, and tears, and energy moving around the country Doing these certifications, I have clients who have master's degrees, PhDs, you name it, and who still feel like a fraud. So if feeling like an expert was only down to academic knowledge or knowledge in general, well, the more knowledge you have, the best you would feel, but it tends to be the opposite. And we need to understand that feeling competent enough is generated from inside. It can't be built through external 
diplomas or external knowledge. And the way we generate that from within is, first of all, addressing the first pillar that we talked about, which is eliminating the deep reasons why we don't feel good enough in the first place. But it also comes with this super simple concept of practical experience. So as long as you don't jump in the water and swim, so as long as you don't put yourself out there and start getting practical experience... No amount of theoretical knowledge is ever going to make you feel like an expert. And the easiest analogy I can use is athletes. No athlete ever became the greatest or great in their sport by reading a book about their sport or by getting all of the knowledge, like to do the perfect backhand when you're playing tennis. You need to um, activate this muscle and that muscle and the perfect racket speed would be, I don't know, 60 miles per hour at this angle, blah, blah. All of that sounds, you know, technical and very good on paper, but all of that is completely useless when it comes at becoming a better tennis player. What makes you a great tennis player, a skier, a soccer player, or any sport is to practice, to go out there, practice, you know, lose matches, win matches, try and fail, try stuff that works, other stuff that doesn't. It's the same in your business or any skill that you want to feel an expert in. You need to put yourself out there and get the practical experience. And practical experience is what is going to make you feel like an expert. And the more you do what you do, whether that's designing websites or whether that's intuitive eating coaching or maybe you are a therapist maybe you are a life coach whatever you might be doing the more you do it the more people you work with the more experience you develop the more case studies you kind of go through as you're working with people the more you know mistakes you make and realize that there are ways that work and don't work so well and the better you become at your craft and you cannot wait until you feel ready to put yourself out there because the only way you can ever feel readier or more ready is to through gaining practical experience. So another analogy I always use with all of you, if you've, and you've probably heard me say this before, is if kids had a choice to go to the first school day of school, would they go? Probably not, right? The first day of school or the first day at the new office or the first day at, I don't know, university or the first day at your new running club is always a bit nerve-wracking. Like, am I going to get along with the people? Will they reject me? Can I fit in? Do I have the level? It's a very nerve-wracking experience. And if you ask kids, you know, if you gave them the choice of going to the first day at school when they know no one, none of the teachers, none of the schools, none of their little friends in class, they would never go. But they don't have a choice. So we bring them to school. Maybe it's a bit difficult. First day goes by. Second day goes by. First week goes by and then it's fine. Of course, I'm not talking about the specific cases of bullying or terrible school experience, but for most of us, we thought that the first day of school was going to be so much worse than it actually was. Same goes with anything you do in the business. We think that whatever we want to do is going to be so much worse than it actually is. And if we wait until we are ready, we will never do it. And the problem with your business is that you have a choice. You get to choose not to launch or not to work with clients or not to raise your prices. And that's why it's taking so much fucking time for you to get any results. If you didn't have a choice and had to go do something in your business, just like you had to be there on the first day of school on a specific date, you would kickstart the entire process so much faster. So 
gaining confidence and feeling like an expert and developing the skill set that will make you an expert only comes through practical experience. Now, if down the line, after having worked with two, three, five, 10, 15 clients, whatever, you feel that there is this extra training, extra, extra certification or whatnot that would really make a significant difference in the results that your clients are getting, sure, why not do it? But don't do it because you've chronically not felt like an expert enough because it's a losing game. You're going to waste your time, money, energy, and confidence because each time you get an extra diploma or more knowledge or you read that book, you just kind of realize how much out there you don't know. So instead of making you feel better, you just start knowing how much you don't know. It just, it's not really helpful. So that was the first subtopic under the main pillar of self-confidence. The second subtopic under self-confidence is building extraordinary self-belief. So that might sound pretty obvious, but there is one specific way that imposter syndrome and doubt are correlated. So let's imagine that your business experiences a very normal dip in income or you don't have as many followers as you usually have on a monthly basis. You're not getting as many clients, like something is going on that is not usual or that could be a sign of decline. We need to understand that this is normal and every single business as successful as it is or as unsuccessful as it is, is cyclical. So there are phases where you're making way more than you usually make, most of the time where you're kind of making what you usually make and then some phases when you're making less. Now, if we don't have extraordinary self-belief or if we don't have a deep trusting in ourselves and in our ability to make things work, we might confuse a temporary normal dip in business or slow phase in our business as quote-unquote proof that we are indeed a fraud and that everything was a fluke and that from now on everything is going to go downhill or maybe we are going to say, well, I used to be more successful before and that's because I was working with a coach and I'm not working with a coach anymore so my success is probably just down to my coach. We're going to make up all of these stories in our mind of why we're not successful anymore and that is just the product of our imagination, the project, the pro- the product of imposter syndrome and the product of doubt instead of just seeing it factually and with a more healthier perspective that it's a normal part of your business. So the reason why it's so important to work on doubt and build extraordinary self-belief and the way that that's going to boost your confidence or conversely the way that when you have extraordinary confidence, doubt kind of bites the dust and why it's relevant for when it comes to imposter syndrome is that it is very difficult when the business is not doing as well to feel good about ourselves if we have imposter syndrome. If we have imposter syndrome and the business is not doing as well, I know this from my own experience and the experience of my clients, you start feeling like a fraud and especially if you are a mindset or a business coach or you help or anything really or if you are an intuitive eating coach or you help people with weight loss and suddenly you're going through your own phase where maybe you put on a bit of weight because of you know either a natural cycle in your body or because for whatever reason it doesn't matter if you don't have the 
extraordinary self-belief, you're going to say, well, who am I to help people lose weight when I have gained weight? Or if you're a business coach and your business is not making as much money, who am I to help people make money in their business when my business is not making as much money? And this example applies to literally every niche or every industry. So one of the subtopics under self-confidence is building extraordinary self-belief and self Uh, building extraordinary self-belief excuse me the reason why this is so relevant when it comes to permanently overcoming imposter syndrome is that when you have that and maybe I'm repeating myself but it's important and when you do experience a change in your business because it will inevitably happen it's a natural cycle instead of taking it personally or as proof that you are a fraud or that you're not adequate or that you're not an expert or that you're not capable you're just going to be able to navigate that temporary down phase with much more ease and peace of mind, just seeing it for what it is. Oh, I am temporarily experiencing a bit less income, a bit less clients, a bit less followers on my TikTok, whatever, and you can just move on without making it a big deal. When you do make it a big deal and when you make it mean something it doesn't need to be meaning, you're going to add so much pressure and stress on yourself and your business because now you feel that you need to perform or to do well in order to be legit, in order to be an expert or in order to feel good about yourself, which is a very slippery slope because the minute that you need to be performant in order to feel worthy or to feel good enough performance is going to go down because it creates too much pressure and resistance. Now, our third subsection that we have under the pillar of self-confidence, so just as a friendly reminder, the magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome is mastering three key areas. Key area number one is your subconscious mind and hidden sabotaging patterns or limiting belief, which we already talked about. Pillar two is self-confidence. Pillar three is self-worth. We are now talking about self-confidence. So the last subsection under self-confidence is being comfortable with visibility. So once you master self-confidence, you also master visibility. And conversely, once you feel comfortable with visibility, it's going to be so much easier to alleviate imposter syndrome. Because one of the misconceptions that many of my clients have is that they are afraid of being visible and they're like, I can't be on camera, I don't know what to say, Uh, it doesn't make me feel safe, I don't want to be out there etc but what they are really concerned about is that they are not an expert enough or that people will not take them seriously that people will not listen or they feel that what they have to share with the content that they want to share is not interesting enough or that everyone is already talking about it so why would people listen to them so they actually don't have a visibility problem they have an imposter syndrome problem right or maybe you don't really have imposter syndrome that bad but because you can't put yourself out there it's going to make you doubt etc so visibility and imposter syndrome are intimately linked now once you overcome imposter syndrome and once you can have that confidence that you are indeed an expert and that you know what you're talking about and that what you have to share to the world is relevant visibility fears are probably going to melt away because as I just said 
the in the real problem was never that much about visibility it was more about judgment or people not taking you seriously or people might be thinking that you think that you're someone that you're not like who is she sharing content on social media as if she was a guru or something which i mean if they want to think that that's their problem so the last pillar under the self-confidence that once you can master self-confidence will automatically alleviate itself is the visibility because once you know what that you're good in what you do once you know that you are legitimate in what you do and that what you do is of value for many people and once you understand how to put yourself out there in a way that can help people that are two steps behind you because this is the entire point if you have a business and you have clients your clients are usually two steps behind you so that's all you need to be able to do is helping someone who's two steps behind you usually any visibility issues will just fade away and disappear Conversely, if you can also do some inner work on the deep reasons why you might have visibility fears, and sometimes it's not linked to imposter syndrome. In my experience, people who have extremely sticky visibility fears who just can't put themselves out there, or people who were with either very controlling partners, narcissistic partners, abusive partners, or who experience some sort of violence, usually physical or emotional, verbal, or sexual as kids, and they got the message that being out there is not safe, that they have to hide, that they have to make themselves as small, discreet, and invisible as possible as a survival mechanism. So if you have extremely sticky visibility fears that will not go away despite all of your best efforts, it would be very interesting to explore the deeper reasons through for example hypnosis because your subconscious mind knows exactly why it doesn't want you to be visible and once you alleviate those fears you might find yourself extremely comfortable putting yourself out there and maybe some of your imposter syndrome is going to vanish too because let's remember that your mind can be extremely creative when it comes to keeping you safe and protecting you so maybe during all of these months that you've been procrastinating about being visible, you thought you had imposter syndrome. You're like, no one is going to listen to me. I can't put myself out there. No one cares. But the real reason why you don't want to put yourself out there is visibility fears. But because all of that is too traumatic or too uh, upsetting, your mind is just going to fool you into thinking that your problem is different. This is very, very often the case. So another example that I can give you, and I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I think it's relevant, is people will say, oh, um, I don't want to lose weight because what if my friends are no longer my friends anymore? Like all of my friends are overweight, all of my family is overweight. So if I lose weight, I feel that I would be ostracized from you know, the people I know, which is a very legitimate concern. And then you do some deeper work with them and you realize that they had unwanted attention when they were kids or teenagers from fucking perverts. And the real fear is that. But because it was so traumatic to process that negative attention when you are just a kid and, you know, your survival system knows that that kind of attention can potentially lead into something very dangerous, you kind of repress it and then your mind fools you into thinking, oh, you're going to lose all of your friends and your family, which is a very legitimate concern, just because it doesn't want you to go deeper to the real layer of traumatic events that initially caused someone to gain weight. So I hope this makes sense. But sometimes when something is extremely traumatic or is not processed or is repressed, your mind will make you think that you are afraid or concerned 
of something else, which is very plausible and actually pretty coherent, just so you don't have to look at the deeper, scarier stuff. So again, coming back to visibility, sometimes people are like, Ines, I, I don't feel ready, I feel like a fraud, I feel I don't have enough knowledge, so that's why I'm not making myself visible. So then we do hypnosis on why they have imposter syndrome, and actually their mind doesn't go back to imposter syndrome, it goes back to traumatic events that make them afraid of visibility. So all of this time, they thought they had imposter syndrome, but it was just their mind finding excuses like, oh, you're not good enough, you don't know enough, you're not an expert enough, because their mind didn't quite feel ready to process the more upsetting stuff that actually had to do with visibility. So I hope this is making sense. And it it's also why when you heal visibility, you might not feel like a fraud anymore. So it's going to alleviate imposter syndrome, but on the other way, it, it, worth, it works both ways. Once you no longer feel like a fraud and once you feel pretty confident in your skills, capabilities and what you're sharing, it's very likely that visibility, visibility fears will melt away because it was never visibility the problem. Rather, it was not really knowing how to put yourself out there. Okay, last but not least of our three main pillars that once you master all three of them, imposter syndrome will bite the dust, is self-worth. This is probably the most important one, if not the most important one, uh, along with figuring out deeper hidden fears. So many people will tell you that imposter syndrome is fundamentally a self-worth issue, which it is. So we don't feel good enough, we don't feel worthy. And once we have the narrative of I don't feel good enough, I don't feel worthy, it can impact basically any area of your life. So don't worry if you can recognize yourself in this. Not feeling good enough is literally the entire planet's problems. So we all have the same problems, just the details are different. That's something that the founder of EFT says all of the time, uh, Gary Craig, fantastic guy. I've had a chance to meet him when I was training for EFT. He says, we all have the same problems, just the details are different. And one of the fundamental problems that we all have is not feeling good enough. So when we don't feel good enough, we want attention from everyone. We get sex addictions. We drown ourselves in alcohol. We shop compulsively because we feel that if we have more stuff, then maybe we're a better person. We become overachievers because we feel that our success can probably prove that we are worthy, etc., etc., etc. So fundamentally, when we have imposter syndrome... And when we never feel competent enough, never ready enough, it's just another branch or subsection of not feeling good enough. So when we can work on our self-worth, which is the third main element that we need to master in in order to conquer imposter syndrome, there are three things that are going to be the direct positive consequence or positive ripple effects of that. And number one is that you are going to feel way more comfortable charging what you want to charge, so getting paid what your services are worth without feeling icky. Number two is that you're going to set healthy boundaries. And number three is that it's going to be so much easier to be and act like yourself. So again, this is a two-way street. Once you work on your self-worth, the positive consequences are going to be that it's going to be easier to be paid what you're worth, that you're going to set healthy boundaries and that you're going to be comfortable being yourself. But the cool thing about this is if you're like, okay, Ines, how do I improve my self-worth? Where do I even get started? It also works the other way around. So if you start implementing healthier boundaries, 
with people around you or your clients. If you start to choose being yourself, even though it's uncomfortable in the beginning, and if you start, even though it's uncomfortable again, increasing your prices progressively until a point where you're satisfied with what you're charging, all of those are small yet very powerful action steps that are going to help you build your self-worth. So either, you know, you have a magnificent, fantastic meditate meditation experience where you just rewire all of your system and boom, wake up from your meditation feeling extra worthy, which is all I wish for you and more, but usually doesn't happen this way. Or you can do a bunch of, you know, hypnosis sessions and EFT works, inner work, journaling, and all of these wonderful tools to build your self-worth and to alleviate or release or heal any event that made you feel unworthy. But you can also kind of take 3D mini action steps every day that are directly going to contribute to building your self-worth. So let's talk about getting paid what you want to be paid first. This is one of the main concerns that my clients come to me with when they have imposter syndrome. And it makes sense, right? If I feel like a fraud, if I don't feel like an expert, if I feel that I'm not knowledgeable enough to truly help my clients or whatnot, it's going to be extremely difficult to charge what I want to be charging because deep down, I don't feel that I deserve to be charging amount X. I feel that I should be knowing more. I should be more competent. I should be more qualified. So who am I to charge, I don't know, two, three, five, ten grand for whatever I am selling? But this is a vicious circle because the more you undercharge, the more you reinforce this limiting belief that you don't deserve more. And the longer you stay stuck in undercharging, the more you're going to reinforce that pattern. And what also happens is that we tend to attract people who don't really value Um, us and the quality of our services because usually not always but very often the cheaper your services are or whatever you're selling the cheaper the type of people are buying it right so they are very demanding have high expectations I often refer them to people who demand five-star hotel quality for Airbnb price And they are a pain in the ass. So now you're going to start developing a belief that clients are hard to work with or that clients are extremely demanding or that it's really hard and time consuming to run a business or have clients. And that is going to make you shy away from charging more, even more, because now you're thinking, well, if I double or triple or 10x my prices, I'm just going to have this person who paid me so much and who is going to demand so much and I'll have no other choice but to basically bend on my knees and give them everything they want. It's just going to be more money, it's going to be more problem, but that's not true. Usually the more someone pays, the easier they are to work with. So of course there are always some rare exceptions, but globally the more someone is ready to invest in any type of program or services that you're selling, especially if they are not wealthy, so especially if it was a bit of a stretch for them to do, the more committed, motivated, and positive they are about whatever it is they invested in. So it's way easier to work with someone who pays more than someone who pays less. And as you start charging more, you know that 
in any amount that reflects the quality uh, of your services and how life-changing your services are, you are going to feel better about yourself. You're going to attract better quality clients who love working with you, who recommend you, who send other people to you. And now you're getting positive reinforcement for what you do. So you're building experience and you're building confidence because you see that what you do is working you see that people are valuing what you're doing you see that people are so happy to pay amount x and still recommend you to other people so it's not as if they feel scammed or whatever and you're getting a very nice experience about working with them so that is um, successfully going to alleviate imposter syndrome and of course before you get that first client who pays you a bigger amount of course, you're going to be a bit stressed or anxious. Just because you feel stress or anxiety doesn't mean you're doing the, right, the wrong thing. And this is really something I want to emphasize. Feelings are not facts. So the very first time I got my, my the very first high ticket client I got, which was approximately three years ago when I started my online business, I was freaking the fuck out. I was like, oh my God, they just paid me a significant amount of money. What if they don't get results? What if what if they're disappointed about the program? What if, what if, what if? And just because I felt that way didn't mean that I wasn't competent enough. It just means that it's new and unfamiliar and anything that is new and unfamiliar is not going to feel comfortable. And then I worked with the clients and it went really well and they were happy and I was happy and everyone was happy. And then that fear kind of melted away because it had no reason to stay. So sometimes you need to be okay with being uncomfortable and letting yourself experience something new. So for example, a new high ticket client who pays a new price and just embrace the suck, as David Goggins would say, and become fully aware that it is very normal to be a bit uncomfortable. It's very normal to have a bit of fear or anxiety about how that relationship is going to go with that client and by no means is it an indication that you are not ready. It just means that it's unfamiliar. So our first subsection under self-worth is getting paid what you want to be paid, getting paid your happy price. And there is no right or wrong when it comes to um, deciding what you want to charge. There are people who have the exact same program and some people charge you know, $200 and some people will charge $10,000 for the exact same thing. It's very subjective. But what you want to keep in mind is the return on investment for your clients. So sometimes return on investment is very intangible, meaning that they're not making money back. So if you are a business coach, the return on the investment could potentially be how much money your clients are going to make after they've worked with you. But if you're like an intuitive eating coach or like an anxiety therapist or, you know, whatnot, you don't have a monetary return on the investment that you can actually do math on, but just how improved their life is going to be. If you help someone with disordered eating, how life-changing it's going to be to be able to eat without anxiety, to be able to go to the restaurant and just pick what you want to pick without stressing about calories, how improved their life is going to be when someone who's anorexic or bulimic no longer has to be in and out of the hospital, right? So those are, even though it can't really be monetized, you can kind of get a very good idea of the positive ripple effects or return on the investment that someone is getting. And even if you're charging two or $3,000 or whatever you want to be charging, and someone is working part-time or full-time, 
it might be one or two months of salary for them, which we could think, oh my God, this is such a huge amount. But isn't, is it really a huge sacrifice to spend one or two months of salaries on something that is going to change the rest of your life for the best? I don't think so. Keep in mind that people will go to great lengths to invest in stuff that they feel is going to make them feel better but doesn't. So they will go on a nice vacation to Mexico and they will feel fantastic for seven and a half days and then when they get back to their life, shit's gonna hit the fan again or they spend a lot of money on their latest iPhone or handbag that is going to give them temporary satisfaction or gratification before they just feel like they used to feel before. So always keep this in mind. There are always people that are willing to pay whatever you charge, but you need to be focusing on these people rather than giving discounts to people who can't afford you or feeling sad for the entire planet because they can't afford you, blah, blah, blah. That cycle can go on um, forever. This is not really the subject, however. And the reason why starting to charge what you want to be charging is going to alleviate imposter syndrome is, as I mentioned originally, if you get stuck in a cycle of undercharging, First of all, you're going to feel like shit about it because it doesn't feel good to feel that we are undervaluing ourselves and that is just going to reinforce not feeling good about ourselves and feeling like a fraud or feeling like an imposter. Number two, undercharging usually attracts clients who are an absolute pain in the ass to work with, clients who don't really get results, who blame, complain, don't take action. And when we work with clients who don't get results, we start to develop the belief that something is wrong with our method or that maybe we're just not that talented at what we do. And that is going to worsen imposter syndrome, obviously. But the problem was never you. It was just the quality of the clients you are attracting. Some people will never change. So we want to make sure we're not working with the people who never change. And usually the people who never change are the people who are only willing to pay very low amounts of money for whatever, you know, they're paying for. Because deep down, they know that they're not committed and they don't want to waste their money on something that they know they're not going to do properly. So when you charge more, you kind of eliminate, naturally eliminate the discount hunters, the pain in the asses, and attract a higher type of client in terms of them getting results and the experience you will have working with them. Pillar number two under self-worth is setting healthy boundaries. So when we don't feel good enough, when we have imposter syndrome, what we tend to do is we answer work emails, we answer clients on Sunday because we don't feel good enough or we don't quite feel legitimate in what it is we are doing. So we are going to try to overcompensate through different ways. And some of these ways is proving to our boss that we deserve to be here by taking on extra work that we actually don't really want to be doing or that we can't do. This is why imposter syndrome and burnout are very highly correlated. When we don't feel like an expert, when we feel like a fraud, when we feel that we don't belong or that we should be more competent, we will need to prove that we deserve to be where we are or we are not going to be able to say no to colleagues or our boss because we already feel that our job might be on the line. Same goes with a business and clients. It's really hard to sustain proper boundaries with our clients, with people sending you random DMs, etc. if we feel like a fraud. So setting healthy boundaries is something that will come naturally and easily once you alleviate imposter syndrome because you don't feel that you need to prove anything to anyone. And conversely, so again, I said it's like a two-way street, once you decide to start setting 
healthier boundaries and not only with your clients or your boss it's also with friends and family when you put yourself first when you decide that no you're not going to thanksgiving with all of your family and your mother-in-law who's going to bitch about your business because you deserve better and you don't want to put yourself through this anymore you start building a sense of self you start building a sense of my needs and my emotional state of being and my mental health and my physical well-being matter and I'm no longer willing to be a doormat. I'm no longer willing to put other people's needs and wants before mine uh, if it's making me feel like shit. And that is a very powerful way to build self-confidence and self-worth. When you do the things that are loving to you first before tending to the needs of other people or pleasing other people. Because when you put everyone else first, it is a form of self-abandonment. So you basically abandon a part of you or your younger self who just wants to be happy and do him, his or her thing for the benefit or profit of other people, basically telling yourself over and over again that other people matter more. Now, if you don't feel worthy of putting yourself first and doing what's loving towards you, how are you going to feel worthy to receive big amounts of money and success in your business, right? They're usually very linked. And the more we put ourselves last, the shittier we feel. Like, I'm sure you've all been in situations where you did something you didn't really want to do because you didn't want to upset someone and you just felt like shit. You felt drained, your energy levels were low, it was not a nice experience. And sometimes you put yourself first and even though it was uncomfortable, you actually feel quite happy about having done it. Now, if the idea or thought of saying no to some people is terrifying or is triggering a lot of anxiety because you're like, oh my God, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? They might guilt trip me. They might have an emotional breakdown. They might try to bribe me or remind me all of the times they did this to me and I should be doing the same. It's probably um indicator that your boundaries are not the most fantastic boundaries in the world, which is fine and it's probably an indicator that you have been growing up or grew up always taking care of the needs of other people or always being preoccupied by the emotional well-being of people around you. And there is nothing fundamentally wrong with that if it is to a healthy extent, which usually isn't if you have people-pleasing tendencies. So starting to build boundaries, starting to say no, starting to distance yourself from people who don't make you feel good, starting to ask yourself this very powerful question, if I love myself fully and unconditionally, what would I do now? Or how would I deal with this situation? And then acting upon that is going to tremendously build your self-worth and at the same time, alleviate imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome self-abandonment and low, low self-worth are all best friends they're all part of the same family so if you can start putting yourself first and loving yourself it's going to alleviate imposter syndrome too now last but not least of our nine elements so we have three main pillars with nine subsections i will write all of this in the show notes so if you want like a visual summary you will have one Last but not least on the self-worth is being yourself. So this is also a slippery slope or a vicious circle that we tend to kind of forget, but it's so obvious when you mention it. When we feel like a fraud, when we don't feel like an expert, when we don't feel legitimate, let's say, you know, I'm an intuitive eating coach. 
So I don't feel legit. So I'm going to go on Instagram and look at what other intuitive eating coaches are doing. Now, they might be doing stuff that fundamentally doesn't feel aligned or doesn't really feel like me. But because I don't feel legit, I'm going to start to emulate some of the things they're doing because they seem to be successful. So they might, they probably have figured it out, right? But then the more we emulate what other people do and go away from what we feel that we want to be doing or the way we want to show up, the more we are being a fraud towards ourselves. So by trying to emulate other experts because we feel like a fraud, we are actually not being true to ourselves, which is going to worsen imposter syndrome because now we are a fraud to ourselves. We're not being who we are fundamentally and truly. And this is a huge, huge, huge slippery slope um, or vicious cycle because I've had so many clients who said, well, I wanted to do things a certain way, but then I hired a coach who was like extremely successful in my niche. And that coach said that I couldn't do things like that, or I should do things in a different way. And even though they knew deep down it wasn't aligned or it wasn't really true to who they were or how they wanted to show up, they were like, okay, well, if they're successful, they must be successful for a reason. So I'll just listen to what they said and do that. But then they were untrue towards themselves. They were no longer who they really were. And they just completely fell out of alignment and things literally stopped working in their business not because the strategy was wrong because I mean obviously the strategy had to work for someone else but just because they were no longer authentically themselves their audience could not really resonate with them they couldn't really resonate with themselves and energetically it showed um, in their results and how their audience could relate or not relate to them so the last subsection of self-worth is being yourself. Being yourself is so important. It can be difficult in the beginning to show up as our authentic self, especially if we've been taught that it's not okay to be ourselves, which is very often the case growing up because our parents or primary caretakers love it when we behave or when we are the good kid who has the good grades and does all of the good things. But sometimes that's just not really who we are and how we want to put ourselves out there so it can be very tricky but small steps baby steps is the way to get to a place where you are yourself more and more you don't have to share all of the things about your past or or your current situation that you don't want to share but getting there incrementally until you feel that you can be you without shame and without having to prove anything to anyone will definitely alleviate imposter syndrome. And then it also means that when you accept yourself for who you are, that people cannot use that against you. So you know, if you've been following me for a while, that my grammar is a disaster and that I always make spelling mistakes in all of my content. It's in my emails, it's in my social media posts, uh, typos everywhere. Now, some people are super kind and say, oh, it's because English is not your your first language. No, no, it's not because of that. <laughs> I've been studying and working in English for many, many years. English is not the problem. The problem is that I am lazy. And the problem is that when I write an email or a website, a, a web page or captions, I tend to do it very fast. And even though I always reread stuff, I'm not thorough enough, or I, can't, I just don't really see the typos anymore. So typos end up being there. The thing is, I don't care, and my clients don't care. 
many clients have even said that it's endearing or that it had, has positively affected them because it showed them that nothing needs to be perfect. You can be successful without things having to be perfect. Uh, so now I have completely embraced that I am the queen of typos and I don't really have any intention of extensively working to change that. Of course, I am very happy when my content is written perfectly and properly, but if it isn't, it's not going to stop me from sleeping at night. Now, occasionally... I have someone who makes a comment on the grammar of my content. So I had this lady a while ago, I think it was one or two years ago, who answered to one of my automatic emails or a broadcast, I can't remember, basically saying that she loved the content, but it was she wasn't able to fully enjoy it because there were too many typos in my emails, which distracted her from the core of the content or something along those lines. And then offering that we trade services where she could tell the spelling, check the spelling on my emails and website, and I could like coach her for free or something. And if I wasn't okay with who I was, and if I wasn't myself, it would have probably affected me, and I would have probably thought, oh my god, I'm not professional, people are not going to take me seriously, oh my god, oh my god. But I just could not care less, so I answered something very nice, saying that I appreciated her concern, but I was not interested. And then she kind of went batshit crazy, because I guess it mirrored something within her that wasn't healed, or maybe she was just looking for a good excuse to get free coaching, and when it didn't work, she wasn't too happy about it, but... The th fact of the matter is that we had a good laugh about it with my family and friends, and then I forgot about the entire episode. Now, if it had something, if it had been something that I didn't accept, or I felt that I had to be this perfect, perfect, per perfect speller, perfect person for people to take me seriously, which is just not what I believe and is not myself, small things like that can really make you doubt or trigger imposter syndrome. And when you're not yourself and when you're not authentically you, it's so much easier for things or people to make you doubt than when you are yourself, even if it comes with flaws like typos, but at least you know who you are and then people can just take it or leave it. So this is it for this longer episode on the magic formula to conquer imposter syndrome. If I summarized it, um, there are three main pillars that once you master those three pillars imposter syndrome will disappear imposter syndrome cannot live in an environment where you master these three pillars just like i don't know a tomato plant in the middle of the desert it's not gonna work right well imposter syndrome cannot work once you master three key areas and those three key areas are number one eliminating deeper blocks in the subconscious mind or and sabotaging patterns or limiting beliefs. So the real reason we have imposter syndrome that has nothing to do with your academic education or a lack of academic education. Number two, main pillar number two is self-confidence, self excuse me. Number three is self-worth. Now for each of these three pillars, we have three subsections. And the way it works is that once you master the pillar, the three subsections are going to be alleviated or are going to be healed or cured or whatever you want to say, but it's a two-way street. So if you don't know where to start to build your self-confidence or self-worth or eliminate blocks or sabotage, you can also take all of the three subsections individually and work on them through small and consistent action steps, and that will give you a roadmap on how to master the bigger main pillar. So if we start with eliminating blocks or sabotage or limiting beliefs, 
Number one is getting to the root cause of hidden blocks. Best way to do that in my experience would be either EFT and LP or, or hypnosis to go back to the root cause of why you don't feel good enough, go back to the root cause of why you have imposter syndrome because that will give you the real reason why you feel that way. Pillar number two is to work on procrastination. So once you master procrastination, or should I say once you master how to alleviate procrastination, you're going to feel better about yourself. You're not going to feel like a fraud. You're not going to be to feel like a failure because you feel you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And number three is reconnecting with your intuition. It, when you have all of this noise going on in your head of why you're not good enough, why you're not this, why you're not that, just meditate or do whatever quiets your mind and ask your higher self which is the action step I gave you earlier in this episode ask your higher self or your next level self okay I have this situation describe the situation as if you're talking to a friend and ask your higher self what would you do what is the answer what am I missing what do I need to know your higher self will always have the answer and then you need to trust it Pillar number two, self-confidence. So three subsections within that is number one, knowing that you're competent enough and that doesn't come through extra certifications. It comes through practical experience. So put yourself out there. Even if you start working for free in the beginning against testimonials, if you're not charging, put yourself out there, get practice. That is the biggest confidence builder you can ever have. Reading books and getting more diplomas is not going to you make it number two is building extraordinary self-belief because once you believe in yourself you will no longer be as vulnerable to imposter syndrome and how you do that is keeping the promises you make to yourself so if you say you do something as simple as cleaning the fridge if you're like okay on Tuesday I'm cleaning the fridge clean the damn fridge or don't tell yourself you're going to do it if you're not going to do it. So reduce the size of the to-do list. Make sure that every every time you say that you're going to do something, you do it. Because then you become a very strong source of consistency towards yourself. And we tend to believe things that have proven to us that it's going to work the way we expect it to work. So if you can do that with yourself, it's also going to build self-belief. Um, and number three is visibility, love being visible. So alleviating any fears of visibility is going to directly build your confidence. And of course, once you build your confidence and you know that you're competent enough, it's also going to have positive effects on visibility. And then the third pillar is self-worth, which we just talked about. And the three subsections under self-worth is number one, choosing to get paid what your services are worth so increasing your prices if you feel that you're undercharging even if it's just one or two or five dollars more start there and then build upon that number two is setting healthy boundaries with yourself with your family friends clients colleagues boss whatnot and number three is being yourself and choosing to be yourself whether other people like it or not because your crowd will always like you so this is it for the magic formula to overcome imposter syndrome. It's part five out of five of the series on imposter syndrome. I hope that you loved it and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Now, if you want to experience the full power of your subconscious mind to manifest more abundance and more clients towards you while you sleep, I've got a gift for you. The Abundance Hypnosis Recording. It will help you let go of imposter syndrome and money blocks directly at the subconscious level and rewire your mind to energetically attract 
and manifest more abundance and clients. This recording has already helped thousands of women let go of deep-seated limiting beliefs and negative blueprints they didn't even know they had. And all you have to do is go to inaspadar.ch slash abundance recording in one word. And of course, all of this is in the show notes. So see you next time on the Imposter Syndrome Terminator podcast.